Welcome to the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Burkhart, columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirited Adventures of a Real Bartender. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, community manager for the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. So pet peeves. I know I have them. I'm sure you do too. Kevin. Oh, I've got quite a few. Yes. So, but one of the things uh, in the restaurant business is there's annoyances, and then there's there's the thing that interfere with service, and there's a difference between the two. People being, you know, people asking you for something is not a, a, an annoyance. It's actually a, a product of you doing a business. So you've got to be careful with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, as a customer, what do you expect? What are your pet peeves when you? Uh, you know, on a minor scale, uh, one of the things that annoys me that I just experienced this recently is when I sit down and before I've even had a chance to look at the menu, the server comes over and says, do you know what you'd like? I'm like, well, I'm not a mind reader. I haven't, you know, I mean, maybe I've read the menu in advance online, but, you know, at least let me take my jacket off before, you know, and then also on the uh, flip side is when you've, you know, your meal has arrived and the server never comes to check in to see how you're doing. Yeah. Uh, which I think, you know, in this world of Yelp, you know, that I'm part of, you know, if you don't have a chance to, you know, interject your feedback, then it's going to wind up online, you know? And, uh, so if something isn't to your liking, if the meat isn't, you know, cooked to your liking, or if the food is cold or whatever, this is your chance as a restaurant to fix that. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to have to, uh, reap the, uh, Unfortunately, <laughs> are you going to say rewards? No, not the rewards, <laughs> the, the repercussions, you know, yes. but, uh, so yeah, things like that. Um, I, I'm also not a fan when people ask me, you know, put you on the spot of what kind of water you want. Do you want, you know, regular tap water or sparkling? Right. And when I choose, you know, regular tap water, I feel like I'm a cheap bastard. Right. Uh, so, you know, minor things like that. I mean, those are very on the small scale, but what about you from like, uh, well, the other I, side? Well, I agree with that. You know, the one thing is I never do the, the, the asking because I can't stand the drink thing. I've sat, like you said, I've sat down, I don't even have my jacket off and you ask me what I want to drink. I have no idea. I haven't even looked at the menu yet. Right. Maybe, you know, I mean, give, give me a second just to settle in. Yeah. And I understand that some people want to order a drink quickly, mm-hmm. but, but as a server, sometimes you'll get that, the stare down. Yeah, where they ask you and then they stand there, and it's clear that you're not you're not ready. Right, and a, a good server should know that and feel that right away and go, oh, "I'll just give you a second. Yeah, you know, uh, I can come in. back. Right, and... right, and you can, and you know, not all customers are the same. They want different things at different times. Yeah, so the pressuring is the the weird thing. I, I sometimes at the bar is a joke. We'll ask someone if they're ready to order, and they'll, they'll say that. And so then I'll just cross, I'll fold my arms and just stand there. And they'll say, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, yeah. I'm going to wait until you're ready. And then we both laugh. Right. Right. Because uh, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. Right. right. Well, also drives me a little bit nuts uh, when I ask the server. I mean, I, for me, like the whole interaction with the server or bartender is half the fun of the experience, you know, and uh, hopefully you develop a nice rapport. And I'll ask them uh, up front, even after reading the menu, like, what do you like? Yeah. And when a server just says to me, oh, everything's good, I kind of, you know, arch my eyebrow. I'm like, not everything's good. Yeah. You know, I'm like, come on, work with me here. Maybe the lasagna is off. Be honest with me. And maybe I should get the Reuben sandwich instead. Right. So um, when they tell me everything is good, 
I don't know. Well, that should raise your eyebrows for sure. And and the thing is, as a server, I've always learned that you want to be honest. Yeah. So if I don't like something, I won't I won't say it's good. I'll go, yeah, it's probably not my favorite thing. I've had people order it anyhow after I've said that. Yeah. But I was taught years ago uh, when making recommendations that you always give two two options to the to the customer, so that if they make a choice, so if you say the prime rib and the and the New York are both great, mm-hmm. then they make the choice, and you're not really responsible for that choice at that point. Now again, if if they don't enjoy the experience, you want to kind of mitigate those circumstances and fix it for them. But but you've given you haven't told them the lasagna was great right. and it's not great and now you look kind of like a uh, like a fool yeah. right so that, that that's one way of handling that the other thing is that a server who says everything's great is, is obviously not making any effort right and and it's like they're an auto you know pilot cruise control like they don't care right yeah and it's you know and and much like getting off the airplane if you if you feel that the person's disingenuous like the mm-hmm. bye bye now goodbye bye 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 that right. doesn't feel good they might as well just not say anything right, right? or let you say something to them too mm-hmm. you know then there's also the other uh, thing that I've experienced as a server where the person's too intent on how are you doing today mm-hmm. like hey um, man back off well also. <laughs> I'm a bartender. I know you're ordering a drink. You don't really care how I'm doing, right? right? I mean, you're right. doing that for something else. And, and, sure. that, and, and But again, you've got to, you know, from a service standpoint, you've always got to gauge who you're talking to. Absolutely. You know, a friend of mine always called bartending 30-second therapy, right? <laughs> well. And I like that because you have to you have to ascertain where the person's coming from in the moment they're doing it. Sure. But, but, but back to pet peeves, you know, one of the, the other things, uh, I, I had an experience the other day where there was a busload of 32 people who were in their um, their 50s to 60s uh, singles group out on a hike, mm-hmm. and they just all of a sudden showed up at a restaurant. Whoa. Okay. So that's 32 people in five minutes. One after the other asked what beers we had. <laughs> I had a list of beers, and I kept saying, there's a list of beers right there. Right. There's a list of beers right there. There's a list of beers right there. There's a list of beers right there. And even the customers surrounding me who had already been there started right. chiming in. You know, sir, there's a, a list, list of beers, beers right there. You probably are dealing with 30 people who forgot to bring their glasses. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it, it's difficult because yeah. they weren't, you know, the, the right one right after the other. So the person behind the person I just told that to mm-hmm. is asking me the exact same question. Right. Now... I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I'm no Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And after 20 or so of those things, I was probably getting a little, a little short right? right? Sure. So that, that's one of those things where, uh, you know, servers are people too. They get annoyed. And, uh, and, and those types of things are what, when, when something is so obvious, mm-hmm. but it still keeps going. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, another pet peeve uh, of mine is. Uh, by the way, I was just laughing at the image of Gandhi in a restaurant. Um, but, uh, vegetarian, yeah, vegetarian <laughs> restaurant. Uh, no, but the other pet peeve I have, uh, which I'd love to get your input on, is uh, when I go to a bar and first of all, the term mixologist drives me crazy. It's right up there with the term foodie. It's like, all right, yeah, I eat food. Does that make me a foodie? You know. You mix drinks. Okay, you're a bartender. I don't know why suddenly you got supersized into a mixologist. So sometimes I get this a lot in the city where I'll order a cocktail, let's say like a Negroni or a Manhattan. Cocktails that really only have like about three ingredients to them. And it'll take like 10 minutes. And I'm watching them do it like in slow motion. And, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a drink that I could make in like about 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds tops. Right. And then they're charging me fourteen, fifteen dollars for this. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, is that a, a trend that maybe I'm just being a little sensitive to, or? No, I think mixologist in and of itself is a grandiose term applied to 
a respectable uh, a, a job. You don't mm-hmm. need to be a mixologist. That doesn't make you anything more than a bartender, mm-hmm. right? And so that sort of thing is, you know, I, I mean, we'd be like calling ourselves doctors mm-hmm. all of a sudden, right? I mean, we're not. And there's nothing wrong with not being a doctor, right? But that's, you're, you're, you're trying to elevate it to something that it's not. Right. And, uh, and again, the thing with mixologists, I find, is the one thing is it's more about them then it's about the customer. Yeah. And that's kind of what, what reminds me of your experience. The whole, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> I mean, I, it's been 10 minutes. Right. And, and, and literally that drink has three ingredients in right. it. Right. That are in equal proportions. Mm-hmm. Right. There's not a lot of science or measuring. Right. Or exactly. You don't really even, well, I guess you need a jigger for it. But I mean, like. Uh, I, I mean, and if you, even if you did, that doesn't slow anything down. Right. Right. So that's that, that type of time trying to create something out of nothing and making it seem more important than it is. Whether circumstances you know there's a, the famous Virginia Woolf thing about uh, uh, you can either uh, 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 live well love well if you haven't dined well mm-hmm. and part of the thing that, that she makes her point is, is it's the accoutrements of dining that make the dining experience mm-hmm. and I disagree with that wholeheartedly I think it's really the you know the dining experience itself if the food doesn't taste good it doesn't care what kind, what, what kind of plate it came on right. same with a cocktail if, if it doesn't taste good I don't care what glass it's in Right? Yeah, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, right? Exactly. I've had fabulous wines by a campfire in a plastic cup. Right. Right? That doesn't, you know, the experience in that enhanced that, but it wasn't because I was trying to artificially enhance it. Yeah. And that's what I think about with mixologists. And that that sort of thing just bugs me. I had a guy once, uh, I went down to my local bar, and and I like my Manhattan shaken. I know it's out of fashion, Mm -hmm. but I like them cold. And that's just me. And there's a long tradition for for shaking drinks Mm -hmm. versus stirring them. And and they go back and forth. I mean, it depends on what's in style. So I ordered a a shake in Manhattan from this guy. And he looks at me and he says, I don't shake my Manhattans. And I thought, well, you're going to shake this one. (laughs) Because I'm not really asking you what you do. I'm telling you what What I I want. And and I'm pretty clear about what I want. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny that he was saying to me, too, because I have quite a bit of experience in the bar business. So, it, but I just found that off-putting. Yeah, and I think that's what you're talking about. Is 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 that's again losing sight of the customer. Right. Absolutely. No, and you, you can't do that. I mean, I I don't believe that you know the old adage that the customer is always right. I don't think that's actually true. I think I've been with certain folks where they're very wrong. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> and they're friends of mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, but at the same time, like you said, you know, it, it is the hospitality industry. You know, you're in the business of being hospitable and giving folks hopefully what they're looking for what they want and uh yeah going from there but uh it's not a perfect system but no and some people expect it to be right i right. mean there's that classic line from the breakfast club screws fall out all the time mm-hmm. that the world's an imperfect place and that's true and some people are just not prepared for any mistake right and that's that's an unfortunate thing and it's certainly in the in the in the restaurant industry where most of your income depends on someone else's uh, uh gratuity right right is that can be a problem because if you're expecting perfection mm-hmm. that's not going to be delivered I right mean, we can get close to it but that's that's an unattainable goal yeah so that becomes a that, that, that that's an issue but but you know the thing the, the one thing in the in the restaurant industry uh, that really is the is the hot tea thing at the bar oh gosh yeah. I had an aunt who did that drove everybody crazy well, it's a production. Yeah. It's not like just, you know, first of all, most bars don't don't have the materials there. Right. So you've got to go get them. And then mm-hmm. you've got to bring them back. You've got to assemble them. You've got a cup, a saucer, sugar, mm-hmm. lemon, you know, all of this stuff. And it's not a very expensive item. You know, no. it's looking like four bucks. So even if you got a 20% tip on that, that's <laughs> 80 cents. Right? Yeah. <laughs> For the amount of time involved. Yeah. 
And so again, it, it's more of a courtesy than an actual uh, 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 um, a capitalistic thing, right? We're not making money on that mm -hmm. uh, per se. But the one that goes one worse than that is hot water. Yeah. Right? So. Sure. Well, and then also uh, there are some places that we talked about who are now charging for bread. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and hot water. <laughs> hot water and bread, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a soup kitchen. Um, but no, and then uh, the one that kind of drives me, I mean, I guess I can sort of understand if it's like really like artisan crafted bread that was, you know, made by some 80-year-old Italian guy, grandfather, you know, whatever. Okay, right. maybe if there's a story to it, I'll pay a few bucks for a bread. But uh, I don't understand, like, I've been to a few Mexican restaurants where they're charging for chips and salsa. And to me, that, that's sort of a head-scratcher because uh, chips and salsa is, like, the biggest loss leader there is in the Mexican, you know, restaurant world. I right. mean, the more chips and salsa you eat, the more thirsty you get. Correct. And the more margaritas and cervezas you purchase. Right. So, it's, it's our advantage as a restaurant to, to have you eating those. And exactly the same thing with like peanuts, salty peanuts at the at the bar and all that. So um, there are certain things where I think like the restaurant can eat that up and they shouldn't charge you for the... Uh, the, uh, the privilege of having their, their chips and salsa. Well, you know, that, well, that's, that goes back to, to, to the tap water thing. You know, I mean, you had mentioned something about uh, being uh, people offering you the choice between tap water or and sparkling. sparkling. Yeah. But it makes, it makes people feel uncomfortable sometimes. It makes me feel cheap when I go with tap water. I feel like, if I, especially if I'm like, on a date, right. like, I'll have the tap water, you right. know, like, and then I feel like my date's looking at me like, what, why didn't you go and, you know, spring a few bucks for the sparkling? Right. So. so I've been to, there's a restaurant I, I, I've gone to frequently that actually offers sparkling, house sparkling water as a, as a, as a freebie. Mm -hmm. And I like that because yeah. that, that, you know, that shows that they're actually looking out for you. Right. Now, of course, people take advantage of, of any of those things, right? The bread thing, they have five, six things of bread and not order anything. Mm -hmm. and, and that becomes a problem. And, and, you know, in the restaurant industry, it is a business. Yeah. So you're trying to generate money, but that's, you know, back to your, your salsa point is that that's to our advantage. Right. Right. So. To charge for that at another thing is, you know, it's like charging for extra cream for your coffee. That's mm -mm. that's really crossing a line. Or like you were saying, if I was to purchase a car and then like, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you extra for the steering wheel. Right. Like, well, I thought that came with the whole package. <laughs> okay. Um, that's not an extra. That's, yeah. that's kind of a necessity for me to get out of the parking exactly. lot. Exactly. So. Yeah. But but that, that sort of thing happens and, and, and that's unfortunate. But again, as a customer, it, it depends on your expectation level when you go in. I mean, you know... I, you, as a server, you can tell the same joke mm -hmm. to four different groups of people, and they'll react differently. Mm -hmm. The worst, of course, is you tell the joke, and they all stare at you, right? So they don't think lot. it's funny. Right. <laughs> right. So, and, and you might know the joke's funny because everyone else has laughed at it. But as a, as a server, you have to adjust to that reality. Right. So you, if, if they want to talk, you have to let them talk. If, if they want you to talk, you have to, to do that. So I had an experience where I had a lady come in and say, oh, I, I, I hear you're a famous bartender. And I, I, don't, I could argue with the, the, the veracity of that. Mm -hmm. But I said, oh, that's nice to hear. And then she stared at me, and I, and I stared at her. And I, <laughs> I looked at her, and finally I said, can I get you a drink? Oh, come on, be famous. Right. Well, <laughs> and I don't know what that is, right. what she was expecting me to do. Right. Because right? that's really what we do there. It's just like that great uh, that progressive commercial running right now. What are we going to do? Insurance. That's kind of yeah, what we do here. That's kind of what we do, right? right? Yeah. So, but uh, you know the, the, the annoyances in, in the business can be can can be a problem. But it's better to have your server annoyed mm -hmm. if you're in the restaurant business than to have your customers annoyed. Absolutely. Well, how do you feel about? Because um, I, I was asking some folks about this who are you know in the hospitality industry, especially behind the bar, and the one big pet peeve that they all cited was the uh, and. 
from when a customer tries to get their attention and does the like snaps at them, you know, yes. like like they're hailing a cab or uh, something yes. or like whistling for the, for that matter. Um, how do you, what's the best way then from a customer to get the attention of a you know a bartender? The best way is to raise your hand, kind of like you're you're, you're hailing a cab sort of thing, not okay. way above your head like a right. salute, but just you know put your finger up. We're supposed to we're we're looking for customers. That's what we do. Right. So the the worst two are snapping the fingers and whistling. <laughs> right. Right. And the only the the only time I've actually thrown someone out immediately at the place I work at is when he snapped his fingers and told me to sit and stay. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. And I, wow. I said, get out of here. Yeah. Just get out right now. And uh, he's, oh, I was just kidding. I don't care. Yeah. Right? Not don't, funny. That's not funny at all. Yeah. And so customers can cross the line too, right? The other one is the uh, barking out the order. I, I had a, a person who reads my column, wrote me a letter just recently and said, is, is can I get a Manhattan route? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it's not particularly polite, mm-hmm. but in my industry, it's not, you know, it's not as rude as it can get. Barking yeah. out Manhattan. <laughs> is, is a whole different thing because right. you know I mean it sounds like Tourette's right yes. <laughs> Manhattan right. Right. And, and are you asking a question or are you telling me something right, right? you know and, and that could go a lot of different ways so yeah. I, I, you know like I said the, the raising your hand uh, again we're in the business of selling drinks yeah. so we're actually looking for that to happen and uh, the, the other one that happens sometimes is I had a guy uh, I, I was in a cash register uh, entering an item Facing the other direction, I heard this this gentleman talking, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and he said uh, um, he started talking about a complicated drink, mm-hmm. and and I was standing there, and I realized, wait a minute, is he talking to me? Mm-hmm. And I turned around, and he was, oh. and I thought, my back is turned to you. I'm clearly doing something else, <laughs> and you're you're going off on this long, complicated right. order. And and those are the ones where you, uh, you know I, I don't even know what they what they're thinking yeah. you know but some people are myopic in their in their vision you know uh, one thing I asked another uh, bartender friend of mine you know when a bar can get busy as it happens a lot especially in the places where you work um, what is you know I, I think one thing from a customer standpoint would be helpful and that I don't think every uh, bartender really complies to is. Um, when it is busy, to at least acknowledge that you see the person, right? Rather than you know, I feel like I'm wearing my invisibility cloak, right? Uh, because then you're off to a bad start. Yes, you know. And so by the time you do come my way, yeah, I'm probably going to be the guy that barks Manhattan, you right. know, right? Because I feel like I have like this small window to get your attention. But even if you know, like you're like, I see you. Can you give me, you know, uh, I acknowledge you. Right. I will be right there. Right. I'm. I'm. I'll be in my happy place. You right. know. But uh, so that that would be a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. When... Yeah, that, you know that that can work in both ways because I found over the years the one thing that people don't respond to is I'll be with you in a second, mm-hmm. and then you just keep talking. Yeah, and it's like what part of I'll be with you in a second didn't you understand? Right. And so that's that's the the the, the service service is a two way street. Sure. So you get what you put in. However, I mean there are bad people doing these jobs, and sure. I always say if you go to a place where you consistently get bad service, mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Right? Change the channel. It, make, like it makes it. Perfect, perfect sense. I think in this era of Yelp, a lot of people uh, uh, think that they can change instead of uh, the mountain, you know, if Muhammad won't go to the mountain, the mountain must, must or the other way around. But, mm-hmm. but uh, the idea is that some people think they can affect change by doing that. And I'm not so sure that is how it actually works. Right. Right. Because as a customer, you always have an option to go somewhere else. Sure. As a server, you're pretty much locked into what you got. Right. So that, 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 that's 
I'm not quite sure what the answer for that is, but again, if you routinely get bad service at a place, yeah, then else. go somewhere else. Right. There, there's a place that I went to uh, change management not too long ago, and it used to be my favorite water and hold back when I lived in the city. And um, so, you know, wanted to check out the new place, the new owners, and uh, I was immediately turned off by it. And I'm usually pretty patient and tolerant and of whatnot. And uh, the two people working behind the bar were just on their phones the whole entire time, like texting each other, God knows what, maybe, I don't know, playing, you know, playing some game or on Facebook. I have no idea. But just to get their attention, they weren't busy, you know. And finally, when I did get their attention, okay, that they helped me out. Or sometimes I'll go to a, a restaurant or a bar and you'll see the server just on the other side of the bar just talking to a customer, not serving the customer, just talking, which is fine. Right. But when you have a whole rest of the bar that's waiting to be served, then you should be... And, like, they're aware of it, too. Right. And they're aware of, like, the power that they wield. Right. And so now, you know, you're feeling kind of, like, hostage at the bar, like, whenever he, she's ready, like, I'll be served. So right. that, that's a little bit of a pet peeve. Well, there's a great old joke that I remember. What's the difference between God and a bartender? What? That uh, God doesn't think he's a bartender. <laughs> right? And, I like and, that. And, and, and it's good. But that goes back to that mixologist thing where... It's, it's trying to elevate something. And, and I find, you know, I, many years ago I owned a live music club and I found that there was a lot of people who live the musician lifestyle who really aren't musicians. Mm-hmm. They're just using it as an excuse to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I find that's true with bartending, that a lot of people live this kind of bohemian lifestyle and, uh, and they really don't care about the job. They don't care about the people they're waiting on and, and uh, they don't take it seriously. And, you know, that it, it, can, be, it, it can be kind of a... Uh, uh, a a stopgap thing for some people, mm-hmm. and and that's different than than professional people who are doing a professional thing. Right. So, again, you know, it goes back to if, if you don't like what what you're getting, don't go there anymore. Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I guess if we had to kind of sum it up, I mean, I would just say like you know, be uh, respectful of your servers, and hopefully they're respectful of you. I mean, uh, it is a two way street. Yeah. It is I, the way I look at it. You know, uh, it's. The rapport I have with the people I'm dealing with, whether it's a waiter or a bartender, that's part of the whole experience. And uh, as long as you're up front with them and they're up front with you and uh, if they are busy and they let you know or <laughs> if there is something on the menu that they're not crazy about and they're up front with you about that, then I, I appreciate that. you know. And I'm actually a lot more forgiving of certain places uh, that where the food isn't fantastic, but it's, it's fine. But if the service is great... I will come back. I'll be loyal, you know, as opposed to a place that has like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, amazing cuisine, but the service is really snooty. Like, I, I don't want to go there. Right. I want to go where everybody knows your name. And, you know, <laughs> right. everybody's nice to you. And it's a whole pleasant experience because at the end of the day, it's just food and drinks. Right. You know? right. We're not saving lives. No, yeah. I hope not. <laughs> uh. Please join us next time when Kevin and I discuss proactivity and food allergies from both the service side and the customer side. My name is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening. I would go home with you.